This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. So one of my favorite things to talk about with you, Jason, Yeah. aside from everything, of course, uh, are the emails that you get. Because you're yeah. not shy about sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you have so much ugly. And oh. I just like the schadenfreude of it <laughs> delights me. My, my inbox is really a trip into a hellscape. Yes. Do you have one particular one lately that we could just dig into? Because I think the point of these are my own entertainment. And I think mm-hmm. other people are entertained by you being so transparent about the actual emails and you do it in an instructive way. Like this is what not to do. And I think that's a really big learning teaching moment for people because they think many people would love press. And that's the majority of emails you're getting. They unless they're doing some shady thing or they're like really shy or incognito, like they want press whether they admit it or not. You and I are not shy about wanting press, but some people are like, "Mm, should I want this? It's like icky, it's self-promotional, but they like secretly do whether they can afford a publicist or not. So I think they're great teaching moments to dig into your inbox. Yeah, that's a great tee up. And I will note, because I'm going to read you one as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, I know exactly which one to read you. It came in four days ago, and I immediately put it into the bad PR pitches folder that I keep. I keep a folder of all the worst emails that I I get. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's a great place to go. Uh, (laughs) You've really reached quite a bar if you land in my bad PR pitches folder. And I want to note before I read this that this isn't just about people who are interested in getting press. Like I, the reason why I find these pitches so interesting and the reason why I like sharing them is because what it really is, is a window in how to talk about yourself, which is something that we all have to do. Even if you don't want to get press, you need to talk about yourself to potential employers or to potential partners or whatever. And you have to understand what about you is going to be interesting to them. And so would you like to know what a 22-year-old business owner somewhere (laughs) in the world thinks I will find interesting? Can't wait. Okay, so this is the pitch. Subject line. Gen Z wants lazy girl jobs, colon. 22-year-old business owner explains. All right. Have you heard of lazy girl jobs as a concept? No. Is that a thing? Like a... Is that a company? (laughs) That would be a great name for a company. Uh, no, it's apparently it's a social media trend, according to boxbusiness.com. I'm just going to read you this little bit before we get to the actual pitch. So we all know what we're talking about here. Move over bare minimum Mondays, which is also not a thing I had heard of, and quiet quitting, which is a stupid thing that everyone's heard of, and make way for Gen Z's latest work trend, lazy girl jobs. The TikTok and tech-savvy generation is leaning into the latest social media trend of finding well-paying, often fully or partially remote jobs that require minimal effort to cut back on the stress and anxiety they say is harmful to mental health. So, okay, wait, first of all, when people say social media trend, what they usually mean is like a social media trend of people wearing silly hats or, or like a social media trend of people 
drinking grimace shakes and then acting like they're being murdered, which is an actual social media trend. I don't know. But like this social media trend of finding well-paying, often fully or partially remote jobs that require minimal effort to cut back on stress and anxiety, they say is harmful to mental health. I mean, that's like saying- Sign like, me up for that trend. Yeah, that sounds like a great trend. The latest social media trend of walking down the street and trying not to trip and looking around and saying hi to your neighbor and then buying a nice lunch and going home and taking a nap. Like, that's not a fucking trend. What are you talking about? It's okay. a dream. <laughs> All right. So that's apparently the trend. The trend. So, is- but hold on. When you put it in quotes, I don't know. Like, if I'm seeing this for the first time, I didn't know of that trend. I didn't know about that trend either. So in the pitch, you open it up. All right. So, right. So subject line was Gen Z wants lazy girl jobs. 22-year-old business owner explains. I open it up because I have to know what that is. So good subject line because it made me open it up. Hi, Jason. Lazy girl jobs have a chokehold on the Gen Z workforce. A chokehold, right? Nicole, again, can I remind you, lazy girl jobs is getting well-paying, not stressful jobs. That has a chokehold, apparently. On Gen- <laughs> That's gonna, it's, gonna, it's wrestling Gen Z to the floor. Well-paying, Those not stressful jobs. girls. Oh my God. Penchant it's, for choking. It's awful. Lazy <laughs> <laughs> having well-paying, non-stressful jobs is poisoning a generation. All right. So are we even going to get through this whole pitch? I hate it so much. You're Lazy- so worked up. I hate this thing so much. I want to have a chokehold on this pitch. Lazy Girl Jobs has a chokehold on the Gen Z workforce and 22-year-old, I will not say this person's name. What stupid name should we give this person? Um, dummy McDumbface, 22-year-old Dummy McDumbface has the insight we're lacking on why this is true. I would love to offer you an interview with Dummy to learn more from a Gen Z self-made millionaire about why his generation is turning to the lazy girl jobs in droves. That's just paragraph one. I've got to keep going. Dummy himself, like a small faction of Gen Zs, is a proponent of hustle culture. Like he invented that. Hustle culture has been around forever. With the skill of his generation's native understanding of tech, he was able to grow his company into a eight-figure beast in just two years. That's also hyperlinked to a story which I can't even get into, but it's this nonsense article that he clearly paid somebody to write about how great he is. I would love to offer you an interview with him to discuss some of his commentary on the growing lazy girl job trend among his fellow Gen Z workers. Dummy can speak to, and now we have a (laughs) bullet list of three things, why he thinks lazy girl jobs appeal to his generation, the pros and cons of hustle culture versus lazy girl jobs, and Dummy's personal philosophy on hard work. (laughs) I mean, it it pays off every time, doesn't it? Every time. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in interviewing Dummy on Gen Z in the office, or if you think he's a fit for a piece you're working on, I will tell you, spoiler alert, he's not. Please send your avails and I'll be happy to lock something on the calendar. Thank you, publicist. Okay, Nicole, (laughs) where do we even begin? I mean, let's begin with your indignation about this. (laughs) My God, sir, I've seen you worked up, but this is like up there. Yeah, it's true. I'll tell you why. It's because, and eventually we'll talk about why this is just such a terrible way to present somebody. Like this was a really bad pitch, except that that it got my attention. So I guess in that way, it's a good pitch. But okay. A thing that always gets me worked up is 
people crapping on younger generations because it is repetitive and it is never true. And literally every older generation says the exact same thing of every younger generation. They always say this younger generation is lazy. This younger generation doesn't want to work hard. It's repeated generation after generation. It's never true. If it was true, if every generation actually got worse then, Nicole, you and I wouldn't be making a podcast. We would be hitting ourselves over the head with sticks in a mud pile somewhere because we would be idiots because the world would have devolved every generation. Every generation would have gotten worse. But that's not what happened. Every generation got better, which is the reason why we are able to have the conversation we have on the technology that we had that got created by successive generations of increasingly accomplished people. That's how Not lazy people. Not lazy people. So what instead is happening? Well, one of the things is that young people are figuring themselves out and it takes time to figure out what you want. And also sometimes you're going to like enjoy your twenties before committing to your work. And just every generation goes through these things and then they turn out exactly the same as the previous generation It's driving me crazy. And so the thing that makes me so infuriated about this thing in particular is that the trend that is being identified sounds so reasonable. This isn't a trend of people who are quitting jobs and living off their parents in their basements. This is a trend of people getting reasonably paying jobs that are not stressful. What is wrong with that? And the thing that this 22-year-old dummy McDumbface or whatever I called him is, <laughs> is offering in opposition to that is hustle culture. And hustle culture, look, you go live your life. If you want to think of yourself as a hustler and you define yourself by accomplishment and what you want to do is like go out there, make a bunch of money and call yourself a 22-year-old millionaire, then by all means, God bless, go do it. But that doesn't mean that it's right for everybody. And hustle culture has a lot of problems with it. It means that people are driving themselves towards unsustainable goals. And it means that they're building things for the sake of building them without considering whether or not it actually makes them happy. And it doesn't make sense to me that this person would say, you know what, the way that I want to get attention is for defining myself against a generation that's doing something that sounds pretty reasonable because of a very different way that I have chosen to live. I think that is just an awful, awful way to present yourself in the world. And it drives me crazy. Yeah, because it promotes stress, anxiety, burnout, all the things. We've seen that play out over the last decade or so. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you don't need to poop on people to get ahead. Don't poop on people. First of all, it's very messy. And... <laughs> okay, gross. <laughs> you have two boys. You live in like more poop world yeah, that's true. than anyone that's else. That's true. I but... have two boys. I have been pooped on. It's not pleasant. There's no reason to do it. Okay, gross. Okay. So, but generally, just don't shit. Yeah, that's don't good. Do, you made it better. Thanks. You don't have to put others down to prop yourself up. Right. So, look, let's step back here and try to remove some of the specifics that are distracting me, like lazy girl jobs and hustle culture, and instead just look at this as a strategy for getting attention. And you're right. Like You're right to identify what's happened here, which is that this is a person who is defining themselves in opposition to others. And also, he's doing a thing that can be a smart strategy in some ways, which is to find a kind of external relevance. Right. So in this case, apparently Fox Business and 
maybe anybody else in the world is talking about lazy girl jobs as a thing. I don't know. I'd never heard of it. And so he's saying, oh, well, if this is a conversation, then maybe I can be a part of this conversation. I, I can seem to be relevant to this conversation because I have something to say about this. And that's not a bad strategy. And a lot of people use that in pitching press. But I think you have to be incredibly, incredibly careful about the thing that you are attaching yourself to because it doesn't always take you into the places that you might want to go and it doesn't always make you relevant in the ways you might want to be relevant. And I think that relevancy by itself is not actually a good goal. You want to be mm, meaningfully relevant. You know what I mean? So what I hear you saying is that unless you are some household name, the conflict and the social trends, like a lot of publicists try to do journalists' jobs for them and say, here's this cool story you should be covering, or here's some trend, or here's some conflict, or here's like, you know, why my client can talk to this side and that side, or, you know, or whatever. But this dummy McDummerson, <laughs> I don't know who this is. And by the way, when you read the whole thing, I still don't know who he is or what he does or how he makes money or anything about him. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Stick around, Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship, you know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Look what happens when you define yourself against other people is that you don't even stop to think about how to explain yourself. I literally didn't think about that until right now. But right, like, tell me something. Tell me anything about Dummy McDumbface. Anything. <laughs> What does this person do? Jason thinks he's dumb. <laughs> dumb. That's true. But that's not about him. That's, that's I all I know. He's 22 years old. He's 22 years old. And he hustles. And he hustles. He makes a bunch of money. How? How do you make your money? What'd you do? What industry? Do you do anything smart? Or are you just hustling? You just out there hustling? trust fund? I have a thousand questions. Right. We don't know any of the answers to any of that. Because that's what happens when you define yourself against other people. Is that you don't actually spend any time focused on what matters about you. You're only focused on how you live in opposition to something else. And that is an incredible blind spot 
if I wanted to do a story on this person, I would have no idea where to begin because the only thing I know is that he thinks that lazy girls are lazy or something. I don't even know what he thinks. That's such a good point. And we do this all the time, don't we? Like, this is possibly getting too philosophical, but I'll tell you something that it reminds me of is that when I was a teenager, my identity was so defined by like, who I was not. You know, mm. I was not a kid who, I'm not a kid who goes to like, and like, goes to these parties with these like dumb popular kids. I'm not a kid who likes this like, you know, mainstream music. And who are you, Jason? Well, young Jason, young Jason. I think the I've thought about this. I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I look back on that and I don't recognize like myself in it because I was I was so focused on defining myself oppositionally to other people. Mm. And I thought about like, well, why did I do that? And I think the answer was that I didn't really have a good enough definition of myself. And so the way that I was defining myself was in opposition to others. And once you stop doing that, then you get to actually start filling in the blanks of what you do stand for instead of just simply don't stand for and what you do have to offer instead of what you just definitely don't want to participate in. And once you have a better handle on you and what you have to offer, and well, first of all, I just think you're like a happier person. But if we're just talking about pitches, then I think that you have a clarity of purpose that you can approach other people and say, this is who I am and this is who I am for. And that is why I am for you. Absolutely. When you are talking about yourself, you should talk about yourself first. Mm -hmm. If you're introducing yourself, you should introduce yourself first and you should talk about the attributes that you have in the affirmative. I talk about this in my third book in Becoming Superwoman, where, you know, I suggest to people to talk about, you know, some of their positive attributes in a cycle of negative thinking. But sometimes you can write your positive attributes as things you're not, which I suggest to just turn into the affirmative. Like instead of saying, I don't fall down on ski slopes, which is cool. Say yeah, like, I can ski double blacks, which is fucking amazing. You know? <laughs> so I think when we try to strike a balance of being a little self-deprecating when talking about our accolades, you don't want to be too deprecating to a place where you're not even talking about yourself and you're pooping on others so much that it just becomes off-putting to the reader or the listener and you walk away like even more confused. Yeah. I remember talking to this high ticket sales coach, you know, a person who teaches people how to sell very expensive things. And he said that the first thing that someone thinks when they meet someone else in a professional setting or they or they encounter something is they think is this for me or is this not for me and if you're in sales you have to anticipate that and immediately communicate who you are such that you're basically saying this is who i am i am either for you or i am not for you you know, you're not going to be for everybody. That's okay. You know, he said like, look, that's okay. He's like, I'm either for you or I'm not for you, but don't just 
tolerate me because I'm here. Right? Like that's the that's the thing you want the least is you want somebody to tolerate you because you've just kind of appeared and shown up. You should define yourself enough so that you can really say this is this is who I am. I am either for you, I am useful to you in some way, the thing that I have is useful to you in some way, or I'm not, which is also totally fine. And you know, you could argue I guess that this pitch did that in that it very well communicated not for me, but I would argue that actually the guy didn't really ever step up to the plate. He and his publicist never even really tried to communicate who he was, unless I happen to be the very narrow band of people who are just looking to join a kind of collective crapping on a generation, which, as you can tell, I'm not that person. And I don't know how many of those people are there, except, I guess, the people who work at Fox Business. But other than that, this is just an absence of a delivery. And I love that you pointed that out because in all of my ranting, that didn't even occur to me, even as I was reading this thing. And I think that that also means that for so many people who are trying to figure out why they cannot seem to connect with others, they may be overlooking the fact that they are not actually communicating enough about themselves. Yeah. And look, it's a journey for us all. It was a journey for young Nicole. It was a journey for young Jason. Uh, And I think it's a journey that is very clear in business. If you haven't done your own personal work, I was in search of answers around this when I was writing that book. And I took an improv class that helped me put some framework around it. Because a lot of this, you know, self-help, self-work stuff can be very squishy. And, you know, I'm a put it in a bento box, give me a listicle type of lady. (laughs) But I actually got some framework from this improv class I took in New York. They gave me a manual. I still have it, like a textbook. And I was like, what? Why is there a textbook to an improv class? This should be just like, go up there and blah. (laughs) like improv. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Like, doesn't a textbook seem the opposite of improving? No, because there are rules. Because there are rules. It was really interesting. There are clear rules, boundaries, parameters around how to do a successful improv. It may come across to the audience as just improv, whatever. But you have to clearly define in the first four lines of dialogue who you are, where you are, what you're doing, and what your relation is to the other person. Mm. And I found that to be so helpful, not only for improv, I was actually terrible at improv, (laughs) but in life, you know, before you can create a story, like first define who you are, where you are, what you're doing, what's your relation to the other person, whether it's in emails, like all of these things you might take for granted, but When you don't answer them or when you're not able to articulate them to yourself or other people, it becomes very clear. Case in point. That is so great. Because like if we come up with an improv prompt, the other rule is you have to say yes and. Right. So you can't say like, oh, my God, Jason, there's a UFO. And you're like, no, there's not. Then the scene ends, right? Because then you're not playing with me. So you have to go along with it. But in the first four lines, I have to say, oh, my God, Jason, you know, mom is going to be so upset. The basement flooded again. I can't believe this. Mm. Already, I'm like establishing the situation. Then you have to say something back to establish what we're doing. And so 
all of that needs to be very clear for the audience to understand what's going on in the first four lines of dialogue. You need to answer those questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as I'm thinking about applying that to pitching yourself, I'm thinking those rules that you just laid out are about establishing a kind of mutual understanding. I'm here. I've come to you. For at least this moment, we are together. And that means that we should establish, I, it's my job because I came to you, to establish why we're talking. And to do that, I need to understand what it is that you're looking for, right? Like rule number four that you gave there of improv, which is kind of define your character's relationship or, or engagement or like the reason why you're with the other person, some kind of setting together. That means in that case, you are telling me in the improv kind of where we're going. You're giving me some kind of direction. Now, you have to change that a little bit when you're pitching because you're obviously not giving the other person direction. But what you are doing is trying to understand what they need and what they think and where they want this conversation to go so that you can then be that solution. You can then go there with them. You can then have the thing that they need, be the thing, offer the thing, say the thing, show the thing, whatever it is, the more in which you are more in command of what everybody in this scene needs, the more in which the other person might stay in the scene. And so, Nicole, have you heard of the latest social media trend? <laughs> I was just going to say, is a lazy girl job doing improv? Because that's a hard job. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the latest social media trend that has a chokehold on Gen Z is getting to know people and having meaningful conversations where you understand what they need and then offering it. Doesn't that sound terrible? Crazy. Breaking news. Ugh. The worst. Lazy. Ugh. Dummy. <laughs> McDummerson. <laughs> Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. 